Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to be taking another break from my sermon series from the message on the mountain um, to do something that I believe the Lord has told me to do. I'm not generally a fan of uh, messages that have to do with a theme based on a holiday or whatever. Uh, But today, fathers were on my heart incredibly heavy. And so I decided I wanted to preach on the heart of the father. And if you allow me, uh, I would like to just take a moment here just before we dive into this word to just pray and uh, let the Lord speak to our hearts. So many times we, we come into the place of worship, we come into the place of prayer, and, and, and we're just doing our duty, which, don't get me wrong, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for just doing your duty, right? It's, it's always good to be faithful but oftentimes we find ourselves just putting us on, putting ourselves on cruise control. I, I remember I remember being 16 years old, and I remember the first time I drove from school out to my parents' house, which is like a 15-minute drive. I remember the first time I got there, and I don't remember the drive. I just zoned out, and it scared me. I was like, oh, I drove that whole way, and I don't remember any of it, right? Because I just... I was just going through the habit, the routine. Well, it, it meant that I got really good at driving, right? I could drive without really be, and we do that all the time now. You probably, like some of you probably did on the way to church this morning. You just zoned out and drove. You don't remember lots of parts of it. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we can get really, quote unquote, good at church where we just zone out and we go through the motions and then you ask us three or four weeks from now uh, about service whatever we know we were there but we don't remember what happened i mean just let's all think back to maybe five or six weeks ago at church we all know we were here i don't even remember what i preached on right unless it was in the sermon series i could be like well that was the sermon series so now i can remember but if it wasn't inside the series i don't remember either because sometimes we're guilty of just going through the motions but do you know we have a god who wants a personal relationship us and he wants to engage our hearts every time we show up Every morning we show up. And so, one, thank you for being faithful. But two, God, like, let, let us grow closer to you today than we've ever been before. Let us see you more today than we've ever seen you before. So if you will, just, just pray with me. Father, you are so good. You're so good and your mercy is so overwhelming. Father, who's, you're such a great and mighty God. Lord, that scripture tells us just even at the sight of you, Lord, that our hearts tremble with fear and yet you want close, intimate relation with relationship with us at the same time. Lord, you're so mighty that even though your word was written down on paper hundreds of years ago it's so mighty and powerful it pierces our heart even today God let us be children 
who cry out that we just want to be like our dad. We just want to be like you, Father. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, uh, turn with me to Luke 15. I don't know if I told you the chapter yet. Um, in Luke chapter 15, it's Jesus. And uh, Jesus is telling a series of parables. These are stories Jesus, Jesus would tell to help people understand uh, what he was saying, although a lot of people didn't understand what he was saying, right? He would say, I, I want to tell you a story to help you make it, real, make it real clear for you. And then, and then people would be like, it's not real clear for me. I don't understand. Turns out there's this thing about the way the Lord speaks is the Lord can speak very plainly and you still won't get it unless he reveals himself to you. It's so wild to me that I've been in an intense service, this intense moves of God where the Lord pierced my heart and the person standing right next to me got nothing out of it. What is going on with that? And so Jesus would speak in parables and then people wouldn't understand and so he would have to elaborate, and he said, you know, some people just won't understand. They're just not going to get it. So these are some parables that he's teaching, and as I'm reading them, I'm like, Lord, help me get it. Like, don't just let me hear the parable, but Jesus, I don't want to be the one of the ones that doesn't get it. I don't want to be just one of the ones in the crowd that hears it and goes away and thinks that was a really cool story. But I want to be one of the ones that I want to get it. So that it sinks so deep in me that my heart is good ground so that it grows up and out of me. Jesus, I want to get it. So in these parables, he's, he tells one about a lost sheep. Um, And, oh man, I, probably most of you saw that, that video that was going around about a month or two ago about that guy pulling that sheep out of that ditch. Did you see that one? He pulls this sheep out of this little tight ditch. I mean, it's stuck down in there. He pulls it up, and it, he gets it out, and it goes bounding away, and about four or five bounds into it, whoop, right back into the ditch, just stuck all over again. And it was like, you, I mean, that's ministry right there. Every pastor I know is commenting on that, like, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, man, that's all of us. That's parenting right there, isn't it? That's, that's working with people in general right there, no matter what you do. Uh, but that's the parable of the lost sheep. He's talking about a shepherd who had 99 sheep or 100 sheep, and one of them gets lost. So he leaves the 99 to go find the one, and when he finds it, he throws a party. He gets excited. Then he tells another story about a woman who loses a coin and uh, she searches her whole house until she finds it, right? I, I remember a time when I was a young man, I lost a paycheck. I, I couldn't find it. I'd thrown it in the trash. That's the last thing I could think. I think I threw it in the trash. It's when I lived in Oklahoma. And I tell you what, I ripped open every single trash bag and just threw it down in the yard looking for that paycheck. I found it because I needed it that day. I couldn't wait till for them to issue, issue me a new one. I needed that money that day. And, uh, man, I tore through the trash. And when I found it, I was a happy man. And I decided to make sure from then on, paychecks went straight from the employer to the bank and nowhere in between. Um, I mean, if you need something, you'll look for it till you find it. And this whole thing is saying this is the way the Father looks for us. This is the way the Father, that's His attitude towards us. And then we come to the, 
the, the parable of the prodigal son, it might be written in your Bible there. I would say this parable is more about the father than the son, so maybe it's not a, a good title for it. But it calls the other ones the lost coin and the lost sheep. So we're talking about the thing that's lost, right? And this is what it says. It says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. Everyone say two sons. Dose. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And just want to pause here that if you've ever studied this story, you know that people don't get their inheritance until their father is dead. And that was the same in this culture, in this day and age. So essentially what he's saying is, Dad, you're dead to me. I would rather have my inheritance than you. Can you imagine your kid coming up to you and saying that? Like how harsh would that be we we've all had our kids say some pretty hard things to us if you've been a parent for long you've had your kids and you've if you've been a kid which all of us have we probably have things that we've said to our parents that we regret this is something that he's going to come back and regret later he says dad i you're dead to me i'd rather have my inheritance that I would then have relationship with you. It says, and the father divided his property between them, his sons. It says, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered it. He squandered his property on reckless living. He squandered it. Say squandered. It means he blew it. He spent it all on reckless living. Not anything important. He didn't invest it. He didn't save it up. He didn't put it in places you know, for a rainy day. He squandered it. Over in 1 John chapter 2, you can write this down. Or yeah, I guess you could turn there if you'd like. But verse 28 it says this, it says, And now, little children, abide in Him. It's talking about the Father. And we've talked about abide. That word abide means to dwell with or to live in. Like there's, there's something about living with your Father, like dwelling in the place that your Father is. And we talk all about it in, in John chapter 15, where he, he says that, that I am the vine, right? And we are the branches. And he says, abide in the vine. Like, abide in him. Dwell in him. Live in him. And that's why all the time, I'm, I'm always asking people all the time, and I probably annoyed a few people at camp because I was saying, hey, when, when, do you spend, like, when do you spend time with Jesus? And they're like, well, I try to. Like, <laughs> I try to do it at, I'm not trying to come across like, like legalistic or judgmental or like condescending towards you when I ask you, when do you spend time with the Lord? All I know is, is that when I live in the Father's house, I'm taken care of. Like when I live in the Father's house, when I'm abiding in Him, it changes me. And when I see here with the, the prodigal son, the first thing he does is he leaves his father's house where he's no longer abiding with the father. He's no longer dwelling with the father. He's no longer living with his dad. We talked about this a little bit last week. We know that like, like kids look like their parents. And you know whether you like it or not, you pick up the mannerisms of your parents. Right? You've ever met somebody you're like, you have to be that person's kid. Because you say things the same way as them. You do things the same way as them. Um, you guys have to go together. When you live with someone, you, you pick up their mannerisms. You, we don't just look like our earthly fathers, but if we grew up with them, we act like them. There's some things I say and do that my dad says and did. 
Some things I do when I preach, I do because my dad always did them. Like, turn to the person next to you and say, I know. Yeah, so my dad always does, right? So I don't know why, I do it. Um, it says, and now little children abide in him, in the Father. And it says this, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him and shame at his coming. Like, stay with him. Stay with the Father so that when He shows up, we don't have to go, oh, crap. Dad's here. My mom used to do this to me all the time when I'd get in trouble at home. My dad would be at work and she would say, you just wait until your dad gets home. Right? And then dad would get home and Drew would do what? He would hide. Right. And my my dad actually had to tell my mom to stop doing that because he's been at work all day. He's been working hard. And then he comes home. And he just wants to come home to a happy, pleasant home or whatever, you know, and what's the first thing he comes to His kids hiding from him because they're in trouble. It's not the father's heart for his kids to shrink back in fear. I'll say it again. It's not the Father's heart for His children to shrink back in fear and shame. And that's what it's telling us here in 1 John that if we will just abide in Him, if we'll just dwell where He's dwelling, that when He shows up, we won't have to shrink back in fear and shame. But we see here, if we skip back over to the prodigal, this is what it says. It says that when He had spent everything a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs and in this culture pigs were unclean to the jewish people these are unclean animals and you guys are like they're unclean to us too well they were extra unclean to them And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. And in verse 17 it says, And when he came to himself, I have that circled in my Bible, when he came to himself. I don't know how many of you have been in that place before where you've been in the moment of living in sin and all of a sudden you come to yourself. You Come to yourself. You're like, wait a minute. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. It might be a lifestyle of sin that you've been in for a while. Maybe secret sin or maybe overt. Or it might be just in the moment of anger (laughs) with another person. Maybe a friend or a spouse and you're angry with them. And all of a sudden in the middle of that thing that you're walking through, you come to yourself. You're like, this is not who I am. I don't have to be here. What am I doing? Anybody this morning? Will you come to yourself like, wait a minute. He came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no no longer worthy to be called your son Treat me as one of your hired servants. And I would say as great of a thing that it great of a thing that it is that he came to himself to go back to his father, he's still coming to his father with shame. Because he's saying, Dad, I'll come home, but 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 I'll just I'll just be a servant. I'll just be one of your slaves. Just just hire me out. And when I look back at this first John chapter two verse, it says that if you know that the Father is righteous, you make sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And then it says this in in 
starting in chapter 3. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I want to read that again. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. Like, I am a child of God just because God says it, and so I am. You, you can't be good enough. You can't do right enough. You can't be holy enough or mature enough. or like, like, you are a son of God because God says you're a son of God. That's it. And some of us, we like to think of our great accomplishments and our terrible failures. And I'll tell you this morning, like, like I think about my own dad. I know not every single person got to have a great relationship with their father, and, and my heart hurts. And I have a very good dad, and I endeavor to be a good dad. But my dad has flaws and failures, and, and so do I, even to my own kids, right? None of us are perfect. But this morning, I know I have such confidence in my relationship, even with my own dad. Like, if I go out there and rock it and do great, I know my dad, he's going to cheer me on and high-five me, right? He's still my dad. If I go out and fail completely, yeah, he's going to correct me. Yeah, he, even though I'm a grown man, he might find a way to punish me. I don't know, depending on what it is. Um, but he's still my dad. That relationship will always be there no matter what I do because my dad has a godly view of what fathers are. It says this, the reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know our father. The reason why the world doesn't know us, it doesn't know our Father. That's why, like, that's why we can take a stand against certain sins and still love people completely. The world doesn't understand it. They think you have to agree with everyone, even in their sin. You have to agree with their sin. And so, like homosexuality. The Bible preaches against that. It teaches against that. And so the world thinks we hate the homosexual because we disagree with the way they live. They don't understand. They never will understand. We don't hate anybody. Like we talked about last week, we'll give people the shirt off our backs. We will, go, we will walk within the extra mile. The world's not going to understand because they think love is agreeing with one another. That's their idea. And, and I, I don't even agree with some of you guys. And yet I love you. Beloved, we are God's children now. And can I tell you this? What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. Like, because I'm God's Son, like, it will be a day where I look at Him and I will just become so much more like Him. Like, I think that's one of the greatest parts of what heaven is all about is there's going to be a day where I get to finally put my eyes on my Father. Like, my actual eyes. And when I see Him, I will be like Him. But what I know is, as much as I can today see Him, I will be more like Him. Like, like my heart groans to see my God. In my times of prayer, I just pray, God, I want to see You. I want to see you. I want to know you. And someday I will. But until then, I will do my very best to see as much of him as I can. And it's right here in this word. It's on my knees in prayer. 
It's in praise. It's in worship. Like, I will do everything I can to see God as much as I can right now because he's my dad. And I desire a relationship with my dad. I desire to be more like my dad because he's completely good. And we see the same thing happening in the, the prodigal that he just, I don't know if it was for selfish reasons or whatever, but he came to himself to the point where he realized that if he would just go get closer to his dad, he would be okay. You guys know this story. I'm not telling you anything new. Maybe I am, maybe you don't know the story. But I want you to catch the heart of the Father this morning. That's, that's my cry. Is that you would catch a desire to look at the Father. In verse 20 it says, And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father's looking for him. He's waiting for him to come home. And so the son, he launches into his apology. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put them on him. And put a ring on his hand, which was a symbol of authority of the household. And shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. In Romans chapter 8, it says this in verse 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Say sons of God. How are you a son of God? Because you're led by the Spirit. See, I know that the son came to himself but the reason he came to himself is because God was in his spirit. The scripture says that no one comes to call Jesus Lord unless the Father draws him. Unless the Father draws him. And this morning, if you're like, I just don't feel anything, then the cry of your heart would be, Father, draw me. Father, bring me in closer to you. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoptions of sons to whom we cry, Abba, Father. Or that word Abba would be like our word Dad. Like, God is not just a formal Father. I know we use today as Father's Day, right? But none of us call our dad's Father. Um, I do sometimes when I'm joking around, or if I need Dad to handle something, like, formally. Father, he knows. That I'm, we're about to talk business about something. Um, but when I'm just talking to my dad, it's dad. Right? Like a little kid. Little, little kids call their dad. Daddy. Right? This is this word, Abba. Like, it's, a, it's not just father. It's this intimate name for God. And what he's saying here is, you receive the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, we, we sang in at camp this week that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we're children of God. That, that song comes from this passage right here so many times, especially when we fall into sin. We, we say, you know what? I just need to go back to my dad and I'll just be his slave. I'll just be his servant. And it's fear. It's fear of our father. And some of us, the reason we carry fear of our heavenly father is because maybe of a messed up relationship with our earthly father. But we have a great and good God. In Matthew chapter 7, we'll talk about this in a few weeks on the message from the mountain. It actually talks about how our father knows how to give good gifts. Like it says, like, like if you ask for a rock, or a rock, if you ask for a rock, Tabitha, um, then William better get a job that pays three times as much um 
so you can get a big old rock. No, uh, if you ask for bread, if you ask for bread, your dad's not going to give you a rock. Like it's, he might jokingly, but knowing well, but he's not going to give you a rock, right? How much more? Our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. Like God gives good gifts. He's the perfect Father. And so many times when we, especially when we mess up, we're afraid to go to prayer. We're afraid sometimes to come to church. Like, man, I hope Pastor doesn't preach on this today. Um, Because I totally screwed up. And we're afraid and can I tell you, maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you have a good view of the Father. But you have friends, maybe family, and that's their hang-up, that they've done so much, and they'll joke around, I better not go into church, you know, the thing will fall in on me. I've heard that joke so many times. No, it won't. It's just a building. Heads up, God's everywhere. Didn't know if you knew that. Um, But we have this view of God as a culture even that if we really get serious about Him, that He's just mostly disappointed with us because we've screwed up. And He doesn't want us to be slaves to fear. The Scripture tells us that, perfect, that, that love casts out fear. Love casts out fear. And, and some of us know, like, oh, man, we've done it before with our parenting. Oh, my gosh. Where we try to parent through fear. And there's a time and place for that. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's nothing like parenting out of love. And in all of our relationships, instead of it making based on fear, man, I can't do this or this will happen. Like, just love and mercy and grace. And so they celebrate an undeserved celebration. And all of us are like, you know, this is a really good story of grace and mercy. But I'm telling you right now, I know enough of you. I bet I could pick one person in your life that we could throw a party for and it'd tick you off just a little bit. Maybe not all of you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Right? Like, wait a minute, not them. Not that person. We all want to seem spiritual, but man, some of us just have a little bit of, just a little bit of bitterness in our heart to where they're, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you don't. But maybe you do. It says in verse 25, it says, Now the older son was in the field. Are you guys okay this morning? Are you with me? It says, Now his older son was in the field. So what's his older son doing? Why is he out in the field? He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's working hard for his dad to help his dad make money. And as he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called out to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, home, has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. Man, I just like it just hits me. If, like as I read that, I, I, I wasn't planning on going there, but I mean... I think of people who used to be part of this church or maybe used to be part of the body of Christ at other churches that I know today aren't living for the Lord and it hurts. And if it hurts my heart, how much more does it hurt the Lord? 
like kids at our 707 youth group that used to sit in these seats Wednesday after Wednesday, and today they're out just living for themselves. And you see that they're miserable. You see the pain, and you're like, gosh, you know the truth. You know where hope resides, and yet you just want to continue eating the pig slop. That you just want to see them back safe and sound. Maybe not at FOP. Of course, we'd love to have them. But, but just in the kingdom. Just in the kingdom. And you say, well, in this one, the father, he just waited for the son to come home. He did, but in the previous two parables, he went and searched for them. You know? And it just, it just, Makes me think, who do I need to go searching for this next week? I don't know. I'm not, I'm just letting the Lord convict me in real time about stuff, guys. I'm sorry. That just they would be back safe and sound. And I say, even the servant got it right. Like the servant understood the culture. The servant understood, like we're having a party because the son's home safe and sound. And it says... In verse 28, that the older brother was angry and refused to go in. Like he refused to go in. And I want to say, in the same way that the younger son left and took all of his inheritance and wasn't abiding in the house, the older son, even though he was doing everything his dad told him to, refused to go into the house. Like he refused to abide in the place his father was. Right, and we can we can get so caught up in the work of the Father that we don't actually have a relationship with the Father anymore. We can do disciple making groups and not actually know the Father. We can work in the church, we can work in service to our community and not actually know Him. Refuse to go inside because it's our self righteousness. We think what makes us great is because we're working in the field that we're doing what our dad asked and what makes us great is that we belong to our dad it was never about the fact that you never left home no the father doesn't want you to leave home but your value to the father isn't whether you were out living in sin and came back or whether you were busy working the value to the father is that you're his And I don't, like, I don't care what my daughters do. They're always mine. I don't know what lies in their future, but they're always mine. My heart is always for them. And, and I know every parent here would say the same thing. No matter what my kids did, my heart will always be for them. But what we miss so many times when we teach and preach this parable is we're like, yeah, the younger son, he came to himself and came home and and yeah, he's, man, and God showed him mercy, but that older son, he's just a jerk. It's just true, he is kind of a jerk. But the father disagrees with you. You know how I know? Verse, the second half of verse 28 says, his father came out and entreated him. What I think is crazy is like, for the son that was off living in sin, the father stood there and waited and watched. And when he came, he ran to him. But when the father was looking around the party and noticed that the older son wasn't there, he went out looking for him. Like he went out and looked and said, what, why aren't you here? There isn't a person that the Father isn't looking for. And we like to, like to poo-poo the religious crowd. But do you realize that Jesus looking a Pharisee in the eye and saying, woe to you Pharisees, is still mercy? 
and grace is not just Jesus writing them off. And did you know some of those Pharisees heard Jesus and came to him by night and said, what is this all about? There isn't a person you know, whether they're super legalistic and religious or whether they're off living in complete sin, there isn't a person you know that the Father doesn't have a heart for because he's a dad. And his heart, is, it says in Scripture, he's willing that none should perish, whether they're the younger son or the older brother, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everyone back in the house. It's time to come out of the field and come into the house. It's time to get out of the pig slop and come into the house and dwell where the Father is dwelling. We know the answer to the Son. He says, but he answered his Father and said, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the Son of yours came, came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you kill the fattened calf for him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours like this, this older son didn't even realize he was a son. Are you seeing this this morning? The younger son was in pig slob and thought, you know what? I'll go be a servant. I'll go be a slave, and that'll be better than what I am now. I'll do better. What's crazy is the older brother thought he was a son but was acting like a servant the entire time he thought he called himself a son he probably thought i'm better than all my servants so i don't know his attitude he called himself a son and yet the way he identifies himself in scripture is by all he does because we find him in the field he says, I have always obeyed every command like a good servant does. And you wouldn't even give me even a little goat. And yet you give him this fattened calf. And the father has to look at him and said, you're a son. It was yours the entire time. You're the one out here acting like a servant. And he says, it's fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. This whole thing of we are sons, we are daughters, we belong to him. And this morning, I would say no matter where you are or where you've been, whether you've been living a really great life for the Lord or whether you've been lost living in secret sin, the Father wants you in the house this morning. He's inviting you to the celebration. He's inviting you to the party. And this morning, if we look around the room and say, Pastor Drew, all of us are good, which I think we all think we are. Maybe I don't know where we are. But I'm saying there are, there are prodigals. Let, let's say we're all good this morning and we're having the party in the house, although we're maybe all a little tired because camp. But let's say we're in the house this morning. We're all having the party this morning. I would say there's prodigals that we need to go and find. And there's older brothers who are out there thinking. I'm doing better than them. And this isn't fair. Grace and mercy like that isn't fair. You guys have got this wrong. Like like there's people for us to look for. Jesus said it. He said the fields are white for harvest. They're ready to be harvested. Pray that the laborers would be sent out. And that's our heart this morning. If you'll stand with me. In Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, 
That's that suddenly of God, that, that Kairos moment. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. It's like God is done with servants. He's done with slaves. He, he wants sons this morning. He wants daughters this morning. He wants relationship this morning. He wants you to dwell in the house. He wants you to live in his house. Live with him. And that's, that's why it's so important to abide daily in prayer. So that you remember you're a son. Not so that you can earn your sonship. So to remember you're a son. That remember you're a daughter. So that you don't shrink back in fear. So you don't hide from your God. Uh, Adam and Eve, they they learned it the best, right? Adam and Eve in the garden. And they've they've eaten of the tree. They know they're not supposed to eat of them. They're about to make all these excuses of why they did it. And what's the first thing they do? They hide from God. Because God shows up and they hide. And what's the first thing God does? He covers them so they don't have to feel like they have to hide anymore. And here's the reality of the whole thing. The reason we don't have to hide isn't because of any of us. In the Garden of Eden, God took an animal, killed it, and covered them with its skin. The first sacrifice, if you will, that we know of in the Word of God. That's that's us. The reason we don't have to shrink back from God isn't because we're any good. It's because of his son, Jesus, who was that covering for us. That when Jesus died on the cross, it covers our sin. It fulfills the law. It covers our terrible sin and it fulfills the law. So it doesn't matter how good or bad you are, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. So now we're sons and we're daughters this morning. I I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And if I could so infuse this into your heart. It's to make you so confident in who you are as a son or daughter of God. To never shrink back from the Lord, to never shrink back from his people. Not because of anything you are, but because of what Jesus did on the cross to take away our sin and our shame. So that we can stand boldly before our God. And I would say this to us as parents. Mothers and fathers alike. That we could be more like our heavenly father. In a few weeks, we'll be talking about prayer because that's part of the message on the mountain. And Jesus opens prayer with this very simple statement, our father. Like we come to him not as king, not as friend. We come to him as father. He is our Father, the one who has authority over life but loves us so deeply that wants good things for us. So, Father, right now, God, I pray we be a people that have your heart. We be a people that are on fire for the people around us, that we would feel about the people around us the same way you feel about us.
just in this silence, can you just let the Lord speak to you for just a moment? Let him say things to you that, that my sermon would never reach. He's a good father. Y'all, let's let's look like our dad. Right? Let's look like our dad. Let's look like our heavenly father. I'm, I get so excited, just even, like as, as a leader, I get so excited even watching us interact with each other here inside this room, because I see the heart of the Father. Does that make sense? Like, as we love on each other and interact with one another, I see the Father, Be the Father. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.